0: So tonight we are going to uh, jump right back, jump right into our message. Um, Normally I'll tell a cute little story at the beginning, but we have a lot of ground to cover tonight. So we are going to jump right in. We are studying a series that we started here a couple weeks ago called Names of God. And this series, Names of God, is all about just what it says. It is the names of God found in the Old Testament. And so far we've looked at three different names of God. We looked at El Shaddai, which means God Almighty. We looked at Yahweh, which is the the personal name of God, and last week we talked about Yahweh Rapha, which means God, the Lord is my healer. The Lord is my healer, and so we talked last week about how God heals us from our diseases. He heals us from our heartache. He heals us from pain. He heals our broken bodies. He heals our broken relationships. He heals our broken minds, and he can heal even heal our broken souls. Tonight we're going to look at another name of God uh, as we continue in this series, uh, and this name is Yahweh Yireh. And maybe you've heard it before as Jehovah Jireh. That's kind of a Latinized version of it. Uh, But in the Hebrew, it's Yahweh Yireh. And so tonight we're going to talk about exactly what those two words mean together and what it means for us in our lives today, how God is our provider. And so uh, I'm going to set the stage for you. Uh, Normally, in the past few weeks, we've jumped around the Old Testament looking at different places that different names of God were used. Tonight we're going to be in one central location – and so, if you brought a Bible, uh, turn to Genesis chapter 22. If you didn't bring a Bible, it's okay. You can use one on your phone, like a Bible app, like Bible Gateway or U Version, or we have our own app here at GFCC. If you're watching online, you can tune into, uh, you can turn to the app on your phone. If you go to your phone and go to your app store, whether it's the Google Play Store or the iTunes Store, you can download our app uh, by searching for GFCC. We'll also put all the verses on the screen on, on your screen at home, uh, and so. Uh, Tonight we're going to look at a story from the book of Genesis chapter 22. Now I want to set the stage for you a little bit. Uh, In Genesis chapter 12, God called a man named Abram to follow him. And to go to a land that he was going to show him. And this was going to be the promised land for his people. We know it as Israel today. Uh, But this was the promised land. It was the land of Canaan. It was the land where God told Abram to go and establish his people. Now, God promised Abram that he would have a myriad of descendants. His descendants would be as many as the sand on the seashore, the stars in the sky, he said. The problem was, Abram was 90 years old, and he didn't have any kids. And his wife was 80 years old and didn't have any kids. And so, how is Abram going to be the father of a great nation if he doesn't have any children? Fast forward about 10 years to Genesis chapter 17. And in Genesis 17, God changes Abram's name to Abraham and he gives him a covenant. He makes him a promise. You're going to be the father of a great nation. You're going to have many, many descendants. You're, you're, it's going to be like the sand on the seashore, the stars in the sky. You're going to be this father of this great nation. Again, Abram's, Abraham still doesn't have a son. Abraham's 99 years old now. His wife is 90 years old. God says you're going to have a son. Sounds impossible, right? Well, we sang the song earlier. There's nothing that our God can't do. And sure enough, Sarah became pregnant. And Abraham and Sarah had a son. They named him Isaac. We fast forward to when Isaac's a teenager. And that's where we get to Genesis chapter 22. Now, g- Abraham waited his entire life for this promise to come true. He waited his entire life to have a son of his own, and he loved his son. I have a son whom I love with my whole heart. I just love that little guy. He's awesome. He may be watching right now, and so I'm going to quit embarrassing him. Um, but I, I love my kid, and, and there's nothing I wouldn't do for him, and there's nothing that uh, I, I would ever allow anyone else to do to him. I don't want him to be hurt or, or in pain in any way. I don't want him to suffer in any way. And I'm sure Abraham was the same way about his only son, Isaac. And then God asked Abraham to do something extraordinary. In Genesis 22, we read this story. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. This is Abraham. He's testing Abraham's faith. Abraham, do you really believe what you say you believe? He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied, Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain. I will show you. Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac. And I want you to take him to this mountain. I'm going to show you where the mountain is. And I want you to sacrifice him there. Basically, I want you to kill your only son. How would you respond? Is that really the voice of God? Who's playing a trick on me? Someone joking around here? No, it was God. Verse 3. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. Now notice this, it's early the next morning, it's early the next day, Abraham doesn't even like stop, he doesn't even pause to think, he's not like, I need a few days, God, I need a, I need some time to think about this, he just gets up and obey, obeys God, does exactly what God tells him to do. This tells me that Isaac is probably a teenager, maybe 15 years old, smart aleck kid, you know, God doesn't want you to take and kill your son, and Abraham's like, okay, let's go, all right, let's go, let's, let's get this moving. I heard him mouthing off to his mother earlier. I'm ready to go. It says, he took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. I can't imagine what's going through Abraham's mind. Again, this is his son whom he loves. This is his only son. This is the promise, the promised son who was going to be the, his descendant among many descendants. What is God asking him to do? Why is God asking him to do this? And I, I, I can't imagine with every chop of the ax on the wood, how much it, it must have just broken his heart to have to think about doing this horrible thing that he didn't really want to do. As he's chopping the wood, as he's loading the wood on the donkey, as he's grabbing his servants saying, come on, we got to go. And then it's a three day journey, three days of walking with his son by his side, three days of, of, of a journey. And the whole time thinking about, I don't know that I can go through with this. I don't know that I can do this. Verse six, Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son, Isaac, And Abraham himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father? Yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and wood are here, Isaac said. But where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Oh, could you imagine? All Isaac knows is we're going to go sacrifice. We're going to go make a sacrifice for God. We're going to go offer a sacrifice. We're going to go worship God. And then, Isaac's looking around. He's carrying the wood on his back. His dad's got a a, a torch and a knife. And Isaac's looking around, going, "Wait a minute. We're missing something here. What's going on?" And, and so he says, "Father." And Abraham's got to know that the question's coming. He's got to know this question is coming. And he, I just picture him like closing his eyes going, yes, son. Well, I see the wood and, and you've got the fire and you've got the knife. And where's, this, where's the animal for the sacrifice? Abraham in great faith says these words in verse 8. Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son and the two of them went on together he doesn't tell them guess what it's you he just says God himself will provide verses 9 through 11 when they reached the place God had told them about Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it can you imagine putting stone on top of stone stone on top of stone waiting for these waiting for something to happen He ranges the wood on it. He bound his son, Isaac. He takes rope and he starts tying up his son. At this point, Isaac's got to be freaking out. Going, what is going on here? Okay, joke's over, dad. Ha, 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 I'm sorry. And, And maybe that's what he's doing. Maybe he starts pleading for his life as he's realizing, wait a minute, I'm the sacrifice here. He bound his son, Isaac, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. He reaches up with this knife over his only son. And Isaac's got to be begging his dad for his life. Dad, no, dad, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What did I do? I'm sorry. The next voice comes from heaven. Abraham, Abraham. He replies the same way he did at the very beginning of the chapter. Here I am, he replied. Verse 12. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God. Because you have not withheld from me your son. Your only son. The thing that is most precious to you. You did not withhold him from me. You see, Abraham's faith was tested. And God knew that Abraham loved him Loved God more than he loved Isaac. He knew that he loved God more than he loved Isaac. Oh, well, God knew that Abraham loved Isaac, but was he willing to go all the way and offer him as a sacrifice if God told him to? Verse 13 Abraham looked up, and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. <laughs> wasn't a good day to be that ram ram's walking around all of a sudden he gets stuck in the thorns he's like oh great man when, what's going on over there verse 14 so abraham called the that place the lord will provide and to this day it is said on the mountain of the lord it will be provided that verse right there part of the verse where it says the lord will provide that is the words Yahweh Yireh. Yahweh Yireh. And what it literally means is the Lord who sees. The Lord who sees ahead. You see, God told Abraham to go and sacrifice his son, which must have been incredibly painful and difficult and hard. But God was testing Abraham's faith, and Abraham passed the test. But God knew before Abraham ever left, before Abraham ever went up on that mountain, before Abraham ever lifted the sword, the the dagger, before Abraham ever did any of that, God knew right where that ram was. And God knew exactly how he was going to provide. Was Abraham going to do what he said? Because God had it all figured out. The Lord saw what was ahead. The Lord sees. The Lord will provide. We'll talk more about that in just a second. Let me close out this chapter, this passage, by looking at verses 15 through 18. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed. Why? Because you have obeyed me. It's one thing to say I believe, but it's another thing to put feet to your faith. It's another thing to Step out in faith and obey. Now there are two takeaways from this story that I want to share with you real quick. The first is this. Yahweh Yireh sees your need. Will you trust him? Yahweh Yireh sees your need. Do you trust him? Like Abraham trusted him. Because Abraham trusted God to provide do you trust him to provide for you? He sees your need. He knows what you need. Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, before he gave us the model prayer, our Father who art in heaven, before he gave us that model prayer, these are the words he said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 8. He says, your Father knows what you need before you ask him. That God in heaven knows what you need before you even ask him before you even approach him. He knows what you need. God knows your need. He sees your need. He sees ahead. He sees you and he sees your need. And you're like, I don't know that God sees me. He sees you. I don't know that God sees my need. He sees your need. Whether it's a financial need. You ever done that? You ever look at your, your accounting software, your checkbook or your bank statement? And, and you say to heaven, you're like, okay, God, I don't know how this is going to work out, but I don't know how this is going to work out. God knows your need. He knows that the Nipsco bill is coming. He knows that you got to go grocery shopping. He knows that you got to have water. He knows that you got to have heat. He knows God knows he knows your need. He knows you need shelter. He knows you need clothing. And yet we spend all this time worrying and we worry and we worry and we worry about stuff that we can't control. When we can pray to the one who's in control. God is in control. And if you will pray to him, he will answer you. That's the whole point of Jesus' statement. That your heavenly father knows what you need before you even ask him. So ask him. When was the last time you prayed for God to provide For your needs. When was the last time you prayed? Some of you may are like, I was praying the whole way here. My wife was driving, I was scared for my life. It's not what I mean. It's not what I mean at all. What I mean is when was the last time you prayed for God to provide? When was the last time you prayed? See, too often we look at prayer like it's a a last resort instead of the first option. We look at prayer like it's the last resort instead of the first option. Prayer needs to be our first option. Prayer needs to be the thing that we go, you know what, I got a problem. I got a need. I got a situation. I got a circumstance that I can't deal with, that I can't control. I got to pray about it. It should be the first thing. It should become almost like a reflex. You know how when you go to the doctor and he takes a little hammer and he hits you right in the knee and your leg flies up? It's a reflex. We should have a reflex within us that when something comes along that we can't understand or that we can't control or that we can't do anything about, our reflex needs to be hit our knees and pray about our needs. And and I've had people tell me before, I don't like praying for my needs. I don't like praying for myself. I feel so selfish. Jesus said, your heavenly father knows what you need before you even ask him. He knows your needs. So just ask him. He doesn't think you're selfish when you pray. When when your kids come up to you and say, I'm hungry. Can I have something to eat? Do you think they're being selfish? No. My kid's hungry. I got to feed them. I'm a parent. That's what I do. Your kid's not being selfish because they're hungry. Your kid's not being selfish because they have a need. They have a need. And you as a good parent, as a good father, as a good mom, you want to fill that need. God's the same way. He's a good father, and he loves you, and he wants to provide for your needs. So let him pray. Ask God to provide for your needs. I don't care what the need is. You feel lonely. Lord, I need companionship. Pray. God, I'm scared about my finances. I don't know if we're going to have enough money at the end of the month to buy groceries. Pray. God, I'm, I'm worried about my parents. My parents are sick. Pray. God, I'm worried about my friends. i got friends who've got COVID. Pray. Prayer should never be the last resort. It should always be our first option. So pray about your needs. Remember, Yahweh, Yahweh Yaira sees your need. Do you trust him? And you show that you trust him when you pray. Second takeaway is this, Yahweh, Yahweh will provide all you need. Will you obey him? Because what did Abraham do? He obeyed God. He obeyed him. And he says, because you have obeyed me, I will fulfill all these promises to you. Because your faith was working in conjunction with your obedience. Faith and obedience go hand in hand. Trust and obedience. When I was growing up, one of my dad's favorite hymns when we were growing up in church was Trust and Obey. The song Trust and Obey. And trust and obedience go hand in hand. And Yahweh Yiro will provide all you need. Will you obey him? The Bible promises, God's word promises. Book of Philippians chapter four, verse 19 says this. says, my God will meet all. All your needs, according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. How many needs will God meet? All. God will meet all your needs. Because he can. Because he's God. He will meet all your needs. If it's an emotional need. God, I need comfort. I need peace. Oh, friends. Wouldn't peace Be great about right now? Like real inner peace. Pray about it. Pray for peace in your heart, in your soul. Pray for peace from God. Pray for peace in your mind. My God will meet all your needs. Comfort. You're mourning, you're grieving, you're hurting, you're in pain. You've got friends who are sick, you've you've lost loved ones recently. You got hurt. You got pain. God will comfort you. Pray and ask God to comfort you by his Holy Spirit. Financial needs. My God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Pray and ask God to provide for the financial needs that you have. Your uh, uh, relational needs. You know, with your spouse or with your uh, significant other, and you're not seeing eye to eye. Things are falling apart. There's, there's friction going on. Pray and ask God to mend your relationships. He can do it. There's nothing that our God can't do. The question is, not just believing that God will answer all your prayers and provide for all your needs. Will you obey him? In the book of James, James was the brother of Jesus. And he was a leader in the church of Jerusalem. And he wrote a letter to the church there in Jerusalem. And this is what he said in James chapter 2, verses 22 and 23. He said, you see that his faith, he's talking about Abraham here. His faith and his actions were working together. And his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God. And it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. Now, I don't know what kind of friend asks you to sacrifice your only son, but that's not my place to judge. It says that his faith and his deeds, his faith and his actions, his faith and his obedience were working together. They were working in conjunction. And Abraham obeyed God and did what God told him to do. And God fulfilled all his promises. And God answered all his prayers. And God provided for all of his needs and the same is true for you the same is true for me that if we will not just say that we believe God but that we will show that we believe God that we will put our feet to our faith that we will trust him and obey him God will provide for all of our needs including our greatest need the need of forgiveness See, there's an interesting twist to this story that I didn't tell you about before, but I want to share it with you now. The region of Moriah in Israel is where Jerusalem is. And the mountain on which Abraham was believed to have sacrificed, was going to sacrifice Isaac, the place where this all took place is where the temple was built in Jerusalem. And just a little bit away from that place on the mountain is where Jesus was crucified. It all took place on this mountain where Abraham was going to sacrifice Isaac, where they built the temple and where Jesus died for your sins and mine. What did, what does it say in Genesis on the hill, on the mountain, it will be provided. And it was provided when Jesus died. Forgiveness for every sin you've ever committed. For every sin you ever will commit. A relationship with God remade, renewed, restored. On the hill of the Lord, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. And Jesus, much like Isaac. What did did Isaac have to do? He had to carry the instrument of his own execution. And Jesus did the exact same thing. He carried the wood on his back on which he would be crucified. He carried the cross to the place of crucifixion. And he died so that we could be forgiven, so that we could live. And and if you will put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, if you will believe in him as the son of God, the savior of the world, If you will repent from your sins, that means to have a change of heart, a change of attitude toward God, a change of mind and say, I don't want to live for sin anymore. I want to live for God. Now, if you will acknowledge your faith and you will confess your faith by, by publicly confessing Jesus as savior and Lord, and if you will get baptized, God is going to wash away all your sins. He's going to cleanse you from all your sins. He's going to take all your sins away. And the Bible says he will remove them as far from you, as far as the East is from the West. That's a long way. And you'll never you'll never bear the guilt and shame of your sin ever again. That God will forgive you for everything you've ever done, everything you ever will do, and He will take you to heaven to live with Him forever and ever and ever. You see, Yahweh Yaira is the Lord who sees And he sees you right now, right where you are. He sees you in this place. He sees you at home watching online. He sees you. He knows you. And he knows your need. Yahweh Yaira, the Lord will provide. And he will provide for you.